Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Amen. Thank you so much uh, for being here today. Welcome to Bethesda Church. Again, if this is your first time, thank you for being with us. Um, I want to say welcome, even if you hear Yanny and not Laurel. <laughs> I just can't hear Yanny. I don't know what's up with me. We got any Yanny people? Come on, let me hear you. Where's the Laurel people? Oh, man, that's crazy. Man, that's one thing that's got me stumped. I'm just going to be honest. Glad you're here. Welcome to week uh, number three of Vertical. Excited about today's message. I want to call this message Unstuck. And to kind of kick this off, have you ever felt like you were stuck in life? Maybe you were expending, um, you were spending a lot of energy and effort but you really didn't feel like your life was going anywhere. You just kind of felt stuck, maybe in your personal life, in your finances, in your relationships, maybe even your marriage. Sometimes we feel stuck spiritually. We're, we're not really growing um, and, and developing and becoming who we know God has called us to be. And I think everybody wants to be the person God has called them to be, the person that the Holy Spirit is working in them to be. Um, but if we're really going to go vertical, we have to make the jump spiritually. That's the first place that we have to go vertical is spiritually speaking. And sometimes we're stuck and we're just not making the progress that we want to make. And there's a scripture that really challenges this in Hebrews chapter 6, verse number 1. It says, therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity. Everyone say, go on. Go on. We have to go on. We have to go on to maturity. This year, we've deemed it as our grown-up year. Anybody feel like you've been growing up this year? Oh, oh Lord. <laughs> Lord, help us. I hope that you feel like you are growing, that you're making some progress in your spiritual walk. Here's what we have to understand, though, is that the quality of my spiritual life affects every other part of my life. If I will go vertical spiritual, it will lift the lid of every other area in my life. It will impact my health, my relationships, my emotions, my marriage, my, my, my ability to parent. If, I, if I'll go vertical spiritually, it will impact every other part of my life. Jesus said it like this, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be added, right? So he, he, he put the, the priority on growing spiritually, on going vertical, spiritually speaking, and it will lift the lid of every other part of my life. So it's important that I make progress spiritually. And the writer of Hebrews here, he challenges us to leave the elementary teachings. Now, you got to get that. I want you to leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, it's imperative that we go vertical 
um, because many of us feel stuck. And it reminds me of the story about these two guys who chartered a small plane to go on a moose hunt in Alaska. So they, they got this small private plane, fly to Alaska to go hunt for moose. And they had three days to hunt. At the end of the three days, though, the pilot came back and landed in this real narrow spot to pick up these guys. And when he lands, he notices that each of them had killed a big, big moose. And so he gets out of the plane, and they're so excited talking about their trophy kill and how they couldn't wait to get back. And like men do, we're going to show off our trophy, right, what we've accomplished. And they're talking about this. And, and the pilot said, guys, I, I got some bad news. This plane is way too small. For, for us to get back and both moose, one of you are going to have to leave your trophy behind. Obviously, the guys are really ticked off. And so they're, they're, they're fighting about who is, is going to leave their moose behind. And, and finally, they just decide, we're not doing it. And so they tell the pilot, you can make this happen. We, we know that you can make this happen. We'll even pay you an extra $1,000 if you will take both moose. And the pilot said, I can't do it. We'll never get off the ground like that. And the guy said, yeah, we can. We did it last year. A plane about the same size as this one, and, and we did it last year. And, and so the pilot said, well, maybe I'm wrong. We'll give it a go. So they tied the moose, both moose to the plane, and they took off, and the plane was going up and, and down and up and then really trying to make it, but eventually it crashed. Now, thankfully, nobody got hurt, but the plane was pretty much shot. These two guys that killed the moose jumped out of the plane, shook the snow off of them, and the one guy said, where are we? And his buddy replied, he said, I don't know, but I think we made it a mile further than we did last year. <laughs> How many of you ever feel like you're just not getting very far? Right? Like, we're just not making the progress that we want to make. And so the writer of Hebrews, he challenges us to leave the elementary teachings of Jesus and move on to maturity. And there are three key uh, phrases or words in this one verse that I think are very important to us. The first one is the word leave. Everybody say leave. All right. We, we have to leave where we are if, if we're going to go vertical. Many of us are stuck because we refuse to leave something. There's something that that has us tied down, and we're not able to leave it. And he said, I want you to leave the elementary teachings of Christ, the, the basic teachings, the first principles. Now, a couple of things here. He doesn't mean that we are to neglect the teachings or abandon the teachings. We, we, have, we leave them because we have learned them. That's the important thing. to we're, we're, we're not really losing them. We're, we're leaving them because we have learned them and we're taking them with us to the next thing God has. A lot of us are trying to leave something before we learn it. And so he's saying, I want you to learn it and I want you to leave it and go on to more things that God has for you. Make the basic teachings of Jesus part of your DNA, part of who you are, um, so that you can take it with you no matter where you go. And he starts in, in chapter 6, verse 1. The first line of that verse is, therefore. Therefore. Anytime you see the word therefore, you need to know why it's there, what it's there for. And in order to figure that out, you go to Hebrews chapter 5. Now, I want you to look at these verses in Hebrews chapter 5, the preceding verses, starting in verse 11. He says, we have much to say about this, 
but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Now that first line, he said, we have much to say about this. And we have to ask, what is he talking about? If you look at the whole book of Hebrews, there is one theme that the writer is trying to get across to the people. And the thing that he's trying to get across to the people is that Jesus is better. And he's, and he's telling um, a group of Jews, these are, these are um, new believers who have come out of the Jewish faith. So they were used to the rituals and the, custom, uh, the customs and all the, the sacrifice, all this temple worship that they did. And so the writer is letting us know in a very specific manner that Jesus is better than all that. And he's so specific that he tells them Jesus is better and greater than the angels. Jesus is better and greater than Moses. Now, how I many of that, that was a mouthful for a Jew to hear that Jesus was better than Moses because Moses is the one who gave them the law that they practiced. But he, he went on to say Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is better than Aaron and the high priest. He's better than all the temple sacrifices that you guys have. He's better and greater than the holy days. He's better and greater than the Passover. He's better and greater than the old covenant. He fulfilled all those things that you guys practice. Now, he said, we have much to say about this. We have much to say about this, but we have a problem. The problem, the reason why he can't say all that he wants to say about this is because the people he's speaking to and writing to are not growing, not developing, and not learning. He said, at this point, you should be teachers, but you still need someone to teach you. At this point in your walk with God, you should be mentoring other people, but you still need to be mentored. At this point, you should be further along, but instead of being further along, I have to go back and reteach the basics all over again. The writer of Hebrews is saying, I, I want you to learn these basics. i got to teach them to you again. And, and I, that's such a, a big deal because a lot of us were stuck because we refuse to really learn the basic truth so that we can move on to the next thing. And, and if we're really honest, at this point, some of us should be mentoring somebody else, teaching somebody else. Whose life are you impacting? Who are you discipling? I mean, how long do you got to come to church before you start mentoring somebody? How many years, how many sermons, how many lessons do you need to, to say, you know what, I have learned that, and I'm going to move on to maturity. It's not that I'm forgetting that, but I'm taking what I've learned into my next phase, and I'm going to grow up a little bit so that it's not about me. It's about me impacting somebody else. Jesus said, go into the world and make disciples. But in the American church, we want to be entertained. We want to be taught. We want to be mentored. But at some point, you have to go on 
to maturity and become a mentor. Become a person who can disciple others. See, you can only leave it once you learn it. And this concept is not rocket science. I mean, we, we went to school, right? And you could not advance to the next grade until you learn the, the, the material of the previous grade. Like, they don't give you a diploma. You don't graduate until you know the material. And yet, we come to church and we never learn the basic things so that we can go on to the next thing. We say, I want the deep things of God, but yet you won't forgive someone. Oh, I want to change the world, but you don't even love your own neighbor. Oh, am I preaching all right? Is this all right today? We, we, oh man, I, I tell you what, I could just throw something, but I won't. He says, leave the elementary teachings about Jesus. It doesn't mean that we stop reading or learning the basic truths. He's saying, know it so well that you can teach it to others. In other words, don't get stuck. One of the key points of that, if you look at that, that uh, chapter, chapter 5, verse 14, he said, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. I love that. Who by constant use. In other words, we're not growing unless we're using it. One of the things that caused me to grow up real quick is that I got saved one Sunday and my dad said, all right, big boy, you got saved, you know Jesus. Next Sunday, the students are yours. Are you kidding me? I just met Jesus. What am I supposed to tell them? You'll figure it out. So I had to begin to pray. And you know what I would do? I would spend 20 to 25 hours studying for a 30-minute lesson. But by constant use, and I was so worried to stand before eight teenagers looking at me and not know what I'm talking about, that I would spend sometimes all night long on Saturday night practicing it, saying it out loud. I would wake Karen up in the mornings Come on, somebody. I would wake her up on a lot of Sundays because I would be teaching it to the walls because I didn't want to get in front of people and not be able to answer their questions or tell them why it says what it said. But by using it, can you see how it developed me? But you got to use it by constant use. And a lot of times we're not using what we've learned. And we get stuck. And it's important that we don't get stuck because we live in a day of spiritual deception. We live in a day when people cannot even answer basic Bible questions because we live in such a day of spiritual deception, a day with false religions, a day with secular influence that is undermining our faith. And, and we, cannot, we, we cannot get equipped to live for God without His Word. We got to get the word deep in our hearts, and we got to get it so deep in our hearts that we teach our children the basic truths of Jesus and not just depend on Bethesda Church to make sure our kids are ready because they attend once a week. We got to get that stuff in the home and live it out in front of them so that they can see what it looks like to serve God, to live by His word, because His word impacts every part of my life. 
It doesn't matter if I'm in business, if I'm married, if I'm raising kids. How many of the word of God applies to every part of your life? There's an answer for every part. And so in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew's, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount is what it's known as, where Jesus is teaching. And, and man, if you just go reread that right now and, and, and look at all those principles that Jesus teaches in those three chapters about prayer and about loving others, all this wonderful stuff. But right in the middle of, of the Sermon on the Mount, he, Jesus talks about a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And, and in these three chapters, he is teaching people how to live. That's what he's doing. Chapters 5, 6, and 7, teaching them how to live. And he says, the wise man builds his house on the rock. Here's what we have to understand. Many of us, we know Jesus as Savior, as healer, as miracle worker. But some of us need to get reintroduced to Jesus and meet him as teacher. Because Jesus teaches us how to live our life. He teaches us how to stay married. He teaches us how to raise kids. He teaches us how to manage money. I gotta build my life on the rock. The rock, the foundation, is Jesus. Now how many know the foundation is the most important part of any building? Like, you, you're like, well, Pat, I don't understand why y'all spend all those months out there in the dirt and then steel beams went up in a few weeks. It's because if there's a crack in the foundation, building inspectors will put tape around this place and won't let us worship in that because it takes a lot of time to get the foundation correct so that you can build something big on that. If we're going to build anything big, anything lasting, anything that makes a difference, how many know we got to start with the foundation? we got to start with it we got to build the right foundation, the teachings of Jesus. At the end of that sermon, Jesus says in Matthew, he, he tells us in those three chapters, he says, anyone who hears the words of mine and they practice them. He's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And he talks about the rains came, the streams rose, the winds blew, but the house never fell. Unfortunately, we're living in a time when marriages are failing. Relationships are failing. People are losing their faith. Churches are closing. Why? We're not building on the rock. We're not building on the proper foundation. If the foundation is off, everything is off. See, my life, my ministry, my marriage is not sustained by my emotions. It's not sustained by how I feel. I mean, we can't live our life based on our senses. I mean, you're going to change your mind about what you're going to eat for lunch four times today. How are you going to build anything on feelings that change that often? So we have to have a foundation that is solid. If I'm going to build it, i got to build it on Jesus. See, I, I'm married like many of you. And Karen and I have had our seasons. Anybody in marriage had to go through a season of growing pains? We got some liars in the house. Come on, some seasons where you had a disagreement, and we'll call it that. A little tense, yeah, there we go. You, you, you have growing, but, but there has never been a point in our marriage that I've ever thought about leaving her, ever. 
You know why? Because I know that marriage isn't just I love you. Marriage is a covenant. See, that's why so many people throw in the towel on marriage is because they don't understand it's a covenant not only with that person, it's a covenant with God. And a a three-string cord is hard hard to break it, right? That's what the Bible says. And so raising kids, I know some of you have thought about packaging your kids up and shipping them off. Or can I trade this one for that one? But you don't do that. Why? Because the Word of God tells you that they are gifts from God. That they, they are arrows that God has placed into our hand. And as parents, our, 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 our calling is to point them in the right direction and release them into their God-given destiny and calling. Which means that I want my kids to start where I left off. There's going to be some battles my kids won't have to fight. You know why? Because I'm going to fight them before they ever get there. And instead of fighting the same devils I had to fight, they're going to start where I left off. But you got to have the right foundation. My goodness, from generation to generation to generation, I watched families fight the same stinking battles. Somebody's got to rise up and say, I'm going to break the curse in Jesus' name. I'm going to build the right foundation. I'm going to build on what Jesus taught. My kids won't have to fight the same junk I did. We need some men of God, some women of God that that will grab hold of the basic truths of Jesus and we can leave them not because we're leaving them behind, but we have so learned them that we're taking them into our next season and everywhere we go, we are making disciples and investing in others because of what God has done in us. We want to help that happen for somebody else. He said, you got to leave it. Everybody say, leave it. You got to leave some stuff behind. If you're going to move forward. And the key to all of that is the word of God. The second thing he said, he said, you got to go. Everybody say go. I love this point because I like go. I like the word go. Anybody like the word go? Like I like the word go. I like to go. I I like to travel. Some of y'all like best day in the world to you is flannel PJs. My goodness, if I have a day like that by two o'clock, I'm ready to cut my own head off. I get nervous. Like, can we, get, can we do something? I like to go. It bothers Karen. We could be on vacation. I, I, let's go. We're supposed to rest. Let's go. Where are we going? I like to go. And, and, and it's not bad if you don't like to go. And, and for me, I've been going all weekend. This has been one crazy weekend. It's a great time to preach this. On, on Friday, um, I did a 17-hour field trip with my son. We started at 5.30. We got home at 11.30 at night. Wow. Now, we had some fun, but I was tired. Yesterday, I preached a, 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 or officiated a wedding ceremony at 2, drove to Beckley, preached a men's conference late last night, got home really, really late, slept about three hours, back today, preaching three more times. I like to go. Today, today, I, this week, I'm going to take some time off, though. All right, so it's okay to chill out, but I do like to go. Matter of fact, I like to go somewhere. I think we got too many red stop signs, those big red stop signs. I think we need some gigantic green go signs. Like, you ever driven behind people, and it's like, hey, you don't have to wait or get ready to go. It's green. Just go. You don't have to get ready. Just go. Maybe that's a little road rage, but just go. You don't have to get ready for that. It's green. Let's go. Hit your neighbor and say, let's go. You say, where's he going with that? I'm so glad you asked. 
If you're going to grow, you have to be willing to go. Some of us are stuck because we refuse to move. I want to encourage you to go. Go to church, go to small group, go on a missions trip, go shopping, go on a date, go to dinner, go to school. Come on, hit your neighbor and say, it's time to go. See, this is so, so important because the key to growth is the ability to create movement. You can't grow without movement. So we have to create action. The word go is used 1,452 times in Scripture. Nearly 1,500 times God says go. He says stay 62 times. How many know God's on the move? God's a God who says go. In Genesis 12, he told Abraham, hey, Abraham, I got a great promise for you. I'm going to show you the land, but I'm not showing you anything until you get up and go. The promise was connected to movement. I'm not showing you anything until you move. God shows things to people who are going, not people who are staying. Oh, Pastor, I just don't feel like I've heard from God in a while. Well, you've been circling the same mountain for 22 years. When are you going to go on to maturity? When are you going to take a step toward God? When are you going to go vertical? Some of us, we've been stuck for so long that we don't even know how to take a step forward. I think about Gideon when I think about going because Gideon in in Judges chapter 6, he was so intimidated by the call of God on his life and so fearful because God was calling him to be a judge and to lead the people. And he's like, I'm the least of my tribe. I'm this and that. He was listing all the reasons of why he couldn't lead and why he couldn't defeat the enemy. And the angel of the Lord showed up in Judges 6 and said to him, I want you to get up and I want you to go in the strength that you have. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm about to preach this point. Some of us, we want, we, we're praying for more power. We're praying for more anointing. We're praying for more favor. And God is saying, why do you need more power, more anointing, and more favor? Get up and go in the strength that you have. And when you run out of strength, I'll give you some more. We're praying for stuff. And God's saying, I don't need, I don't need you to be any more empowered. I need you to go in the strength that you have. And what you do have go. Slap somebody in the head and tell them go. Some of y'all like that. (laughs) Hannah in the Old Testament, she's praying, can't have children. And every day, you know what Hannah did? She got up and she went to the temple. And every day she prayed, God, give me a child. God, I need a child. Every day, day after day, she's crying, pouring her heart out. And one day, the priest hears Hannah praying for this child. And he speaks to her, and he says to her, he said, go in peace. All right, check this out. He said, go in peace. God has granted your request. Go in peace. God, in other words, when you get done praying, you need to get up and go in peace. Not go in worry. Go in fear. God's saying, I want you to get up from, from praying. How many know when we pray, we need to say amen? You know what amen means? It means so be it. And we need to get up and keep our head up and keep moving into what God has called us to do. Go in the peace of God. David, before he killed the giant, 
Saul spoke to him and said, hey, I, I want you to go and may the Lord be with you. I want you to catch this, that every time that they go, God's presence is there with them. In Elijah's life, Elijah was a great man of God, did amazing things. But on one occasion, he is so depressed that he ends up in a cave. And he's in this cave, and here's what the scripture says in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 11. It says, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. In other words, God's getting ready to pass by, and if you stay in that cave of depression, you're about to miss what God's going to do. That if you want to see what God is going to do as he passes by, you got to come out of that cave. I want to encourage someone who's been depressed and isolated and frustrated and mad. Don't stay in a cave of depression. You need to come on out because God is passing by and he's got a word for people who are willing to move. I'm going to preach myself happy even if you don't get happy. Somebody say go. He saw the fire of God. He saw an earthquake. He felt the wind of God. And ultimately, he heard God's voice. Jesus teaching about relationships. Look at what he says in Matthew 5. He says, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled. If you're hurt, bitter, offended, don't let it fester. Go and be reconciled. There is power in the going. Matthew 28 tells us, go and make disciples. Mark 5, Jesus meets a man who's filled with demons. So filled with demons, everybody's scared of the man. And Jesus casts the devils out of the man. The Bible says he's clothed and in his right mind. And he's so pumped up about what God did for him that he comes to Jesus and says, hey, I want to go on the road with you. Like, can you imagine that? I know you just set me free, but I'm ready to be a part of the team. And Jesus speaks back to him, and he says in verse Mark 5, 19, it says, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. You know what? We don't have to preach to our families if we'll just go home and live it out. If we'll go home and live it out, it will minister to them. See, there is power in the going. One of my favorite stories of going and seeing God's power is the 10 lepers. Y'all remember the story? 10 lepers come to Jesus. They all need healing, obviously. And Jesus says to them in uh, it's, uh, Luke chapter 14, verse 17. It says, when he saw them, he said, go. Everybody say go. There it is again. Go show yourselves to the priest. Here's the part I love. And as they went, they were cleansed. Did you see that? The power of God came as they went. Once they got going, the power of God started moving. See, if we stay where we are, we will not experience the presence of God. God's call is always a vertical call. He told John, who was isolated on the Isle of Patmos before preaching the gospel and, and tormented, and basically just a prisoner, and what, what, did, what did God say to John? Hey, John, come up here. I got something to say to you. And out of that, come up here, I got something to say to you. We have the whole book of Revelation. Because he went vertical. The third thing, we have to leave, we have to go, but it's not enough to go. Point three, we have to go on. We have to go on to maturity. See, a lot of people are going, but they're not going on. 
He said, I want you to leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity. There's a lot of people who have action, but no direction. See, we have to go on. A lot of us are going, but the truth is we're going in a circle. We're spinning our wheels. We're no different than the children of Israel many times. In the wilderness, how many? They were moving for 40 years. They just never got anywhere. They were constantly moving and never got anywhere. Deuteronomy 2 and 3, God speaking to Moses says, At this point the Lord said to me, You have circled around this mountain long enough. Now go north. In other words, it's time to go vertical. Y'all been spinning your wheels long enough. It's time to go to the next level. I have to fly often, 10, 12 times a year. And sometimes when you're flying, you get to your destination and you're real close. And have, has, have you ever been on a plane and when you got real close to your destination, um, air traffic control, I guess, sends a message up and says there's too much traffic and they put you in a holding pattern and you just keep circling the airport, circling the city. Like you can see where you're going. But you just can't land, you can't get there. And it's real frustrating if you've been away for a while and you want to see your family or wherever it is you want to get to your destination and you just keep circling the same mountain, the same airport over and over. And many of us, we're moving, but all we're doing is circling in our marriage, circling in our finances, circling in our calling, circling in the ministry God has given to us. We're active, but we're not going anywhere. We have to move on to something. What is it you want for your life? What do you want for your marriage, for your kids, for your finances? What, what do you want for the, the ministry God has given you? You need to set some goals. You need to write them down and start moving towards them. See, a lot of us, we think that good intentions are enough. Good, in, good intentions don't change anything if there's no movement with it. I could have the best intentions in the world. But if I don't have any action, then I'm not going to get anything accomplished. And that's crazy because we end up stuck. And when everything remains the same all the time, we enter into stagnation. He said, therefore, leave these elementary teachings about Christ, go on to maturity. So the question we have to ask in, in, in this, when it comes to maturity, I want you to look at spiritual maturity for just a second. Because it will raise every part of your life. The word maturity, the Greek word, is the word teleos, which means the goal, completion, perfection, full grown. God is saying, I want you to go on to the goal, go on to completion, be full grown. Don't stop with a partial work of God. Don't, don't stop with a partial answer to prayer. I want you to go on to Maturity. It's the same word, teleos, this word for maturity, is the same word Jesus used when he said, I want you to be perfect or mature or teleos just as your Father in heaven is mature and perfect. So he, he, wasn't, he wasn't talking about being sinless. He was talking about being full grown. He was talking about being mature. He was talking about living vertical. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, same word is mentioned just in a different way says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That is the word mature, teleos, again. He said this, this full-grown will of God. How many? There's no such thing as a partial will of God. 
There's no such thing as a permissive will. Like I heard preaching growing up where they talked about God's perfect will and God's permissive will. How many know we either in it or we're not? We're either doing partial obedience is still disobedience. So there, there's really no gray in that. It's not permissive and perfect. It's either we're doing it or we're not. We're either becoming full grown or we're not. We're either leaving the elementary things and moving on to maturity or we're not. 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in love but perfect love. That word perfect, mature, teleos again. Full grown love drives out fear. Complete love drives out fear. Mature love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect, full grown in love. Many of us have not matured in love. It simply means that we're not convinced that God loves us. When you're not convinced that God loves you, how can you love others? And, and here's the truth of this message and going vertical and, and you know, not being stuck. None of us have arrived. We all have room to grow. When I do my leadership talks, when I travel and do talk, I tell everywhere I go, you can get better. I know, I know you're awesome. It's funny when you got to tell, hey, pastor, you can get better. I know you had a good Easter, but Easter's over. Next Sunday, you still got to do this. Come on, somebody, you can get better. You haven't arrived. You can grow. Some of us, our biggest problem is our own pride. Scripture says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due season. So i, I got to humble myself and, and admit that I can continue to grow. Worship team, y'all better come, or this is not ending. So what is spiritual maturity? Galatians 4.19, here it is. My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth. Paul saying, man, y'all wearing me out. Until Christ is formed in you. I love this verse because God wants the image of Jesus to be formed in you and me. What does that mean? It means the character of Jesus, the personality of Jesus, the love of Jesus, that I continue going vertical until Jesus is formed in me. The problem is, is that I have issues and I can get better and it's a continual journey. And it reminds me of uh, in ancient times, the way they would get the impurities out of gold, to refine gold. Some of you all know this. But when they were going to refine gold, what the refiner would do is he would put heat to the gold and, and cause the gold to melt. As the gold melts, impurities automatically rise to the top and they had an instrument whereby they would sweep all the impurities off of the top, get all the things, all the imperfections off, and they would keep applying the heat to the gold until there were zero impurities rising to the top. And the one who was refining the gold knew that the gold was pure when he could look down into the gold and see his reflection in the gold. Some of y'all about to get this. God is turning up the heat in your life, and he will use the Holy Spirit to do this, but sometimes he will use 
trials and temptations and all the junk you've been through. What's God doing? Why is he allowing all this to happen to me? Because he's causing impurities to rise. And every time they rise, he begins to take a little more off because he wants to look down and see his reflection in you. He wants to see you walking like Jesus and talking like Jesus and ministering like Jesus and loving like Jesus. He's going to keep working on you until he sees himself in your life. Man, I feel like preaching this today. How many know that that's a that's a process? God, come on, hit your neighbor and say, He's still working on me. Y'all, y'all didn't sing that song growing up, did you? Man, what a what a prophetic song. I thought I would get past needing that. Eight years old singing that song. Guess what? I'm 40 and I still need to sing it. He's still working on me. Romans 8, 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be, conform, to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. We're moving vertical. It's our grown-up year. Which means... The Holy Spirit's working in us to make us who he's called us to be. We work with the Holy Spirit, and as we do that, we, we continue to go vertical. Sometimes it's the trials and the things we go through, and, and we're upset about those things, but what you don't know, what you go through is really not what it's about because we don't look at the things that are seen. We look at the things that are unseen. Paul also said the things that are, that are seen are what? They're temporary. The things that are unseen are eternal. And he said these, this light affliction, can you believe the Apostle Paul said this light affliction? He'd been beat half to death, I don't know how many times, and in prison, sleeping in a dungeon where the sewer's running by. He said this light affliction, some of us, we mad because our milk was bad this morning. Talking about, man, the devil is a liar. No, that's just your milk. You should have bought some new milk. He said, this light affliction is producing in me a far greater glory. You say, I don't understand why I'm going through all this. It's because the greater the battle, the greater the glory. God is about to use you and show the world what a person who follows him looks like when he can see his reflection in you. Come on, if you believe that, stand to your feet. Come on, give God the best praise you have all day. Come on, praise him for the pain. Praise him for the trouble. Praise him for the things that hadn't gone well because he is producing his image on the inside of you. Somebody's about to go vertical. Come on, give him 10 seconds of praise in this place. Somebody say vertical. Vertical. I want you to bow your heads for just a moment. Close your eyes. No one looking around. The first step in the process is to know Jesus. And the Bible says that when we come into relationship with him, that he brings us back from the dead. That in sin, we're dead. But when we come into relationship with Jesus, we're made alive. So that's the first step in going vertical. If you're in this place and you're not in a relationship with Jesus, you need to accept him and you need to repent of your sins and make Jesus the Lord of your life. Maybe you're in this room or watching online. And you want to do that. You want to leave different than you came today. If that's you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, I want to know Jesus. I, I, I want to make sure. Thank you for this hand up here. God bless you, sir.
Anyone else? You say, that's me. Thanks for this hand. God bless you. God sees that hand. Another one back here. God bless you. I see that. Anyone else? Just lift it up high long enough for me to acknowledge it. Another one over here. God bless you. In the back, God sees your hand. Anyone else? Another one here. God bless you. Thank you. Anyone else? Come on, let's give God praise for all those hands that went up. Come on. That's awesome. That's awesome. Come on, every voice lifted. Let's pray together. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need you to save me. So today, I repent of my sins. I turn to you, and I ask you to come into my heart and change me. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give them a big hand as they make that decision today. Anybody glad you came to church? Come on. Anybody glad you're going vertical? Prayer team and staff, please come. These altars are open. If you need prayer for anything, don't miss out on what God wants to do for you today. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.